RVFTA's Campground of the Week is sponsored by Jayco. To see a complete lineup of products, visit jayco.com. And by Blackstone. See their complete line of griddles and accessories at blackstoneproducts.com. America the Beautiful. There is adventure to be found around every corner. And there is no better way to explore it than by staying at one of our country's 14,000 campgrounds. Our team of correspondents will guide you to the best places to park your rig or pitch your tent. On each week's episode, we'll give a complete review of one campground, location, activities, amenities, best sites, and tons of other insider intel. Plus, we'll talk about regional highlights, food, culture, attractions, family fun, and all things great outdoors. From the East Coast to the West Coast, and from the Great Lakes to the Mississippi Delta, it's time to hit the open road with RVFTA's Campground of the Week. It's Stephanie from RVFTA.com coming at you with another great episode with a roundup of state parks from the lovely and beautiful Georgia. And we got the perfect person to talk about Georgia state parks. Welcome to the show, Gretchen. Hi, Stephanie. It's so good to have you back on. Our listeners might remember that you were on previously. You are the writer over at BoxyColonialOnTheRoad.com, and you and your wild band of four boys, right, travel all over the country (laughs) having grand exploration. Sometimes I feel like we're kind of doppelgangers because you guys are like going to the same spots we were last year. You're going to the spots we were thinking of going the next year. Right. (laughs) So we really felt like we had to go to the source when we were talking about Georgia State Parks because you're from the lovely state of Georgia, aren't you? I am born and raised, which is rare in Georgia. I was going to say, I'm surprised to hear that. (laughs) Now your kids can say the same thing. Now, do you guys do a lot of camping in Georgia or is that sort of rare? Do you normally head off on your great grand adventures? Summers, we try to go off and because my husband's a teacher, so we get out and go long distances in the summer. But when we do weekend trips, we usually stick with Georgia. Um, so yeah, we've, I was counting up last night and I think we've hit 12 state parks. So okay, we're so working our way through. Maybe we need to have you back on for round two or volume two <laughs> of this episode in an, in another season. So, you know, Jeremy and I had realized that one of the things we see over and over again, you kind of notice when these things come up on social media a lot, and we just see people raving about Georgia State Parks all the time. And they're like arguing about which are their favorites or which are their most beautiful. Like, so, you know, Georgia seems to be doing it right. Tell me a little bit about the state park system there. Okay. So Georgia's got a lot of geographic diversity. We've got mountains up in the north. That's where the Appalachian Trail starts. And then we have the coastline. So uh, I think the state park system does a good job of taking advantage of all of that diversity. There are 48 state parks. And I have five to talk about today that kind of I've tried to get a good variety from the north to the south and kind of get a sampling of all that there is. There are, I already said that, 48 state parks altogether. 
So, um, yeah, I think that, and it, and from what we've seen, it's all very well run. We've never had a bad experience at one of the state parks. So we really enjoy going to them and hope to eventually check out all of them. Now, do they seem to be keeping up with the amenities? I know sometimes state parks, um, you know, maybe don't get a lot of influx of funding and, you know, the bathhouses might be a little old. Does Georgia seem to like work hard to keep their infrastructure up in the state parks? I think they're doing their best. I mean, I I guess probably around 2008, kind of everybody had some funding problems, but I've noticed um, one of the parks I'm going to talk about today, they said on the website when I was looking at it that they're redoing all the bathhouses right now. So I think they're doing the best they can. Some of the bathhouses are older, some are newer, but they're, as they have the money, kind of working on it. It's nothing seems completely neglected. Great. (laughs) That's a good standard. Now let's talk about the whole booking and reservation process, because that is really always the hardest hurdle, I think, for people who want to enjoy these beautiful state parks that people talk about. But it can be kind of complicated because every state has different, you know, reservation windows and systems. So kind of give us like the beginner's guide to reserving a site in a Georgia State Park. What do we need to know? Okay, so the booking window for every park, as far as I can tell, is 13 months out. I believe it said 8 a.m., 13 months in advance. So that's easy to remember. Any state park in Georgia, you got the 13-month window. And um, you can book online. I think it's – they have their own site, but I think it is through recreation.gov. But we've always had pretty good luck with it. It's been fairly easy to use. They One kind of quirk that used to be true of Georgia state parks is that they had a first-come, first-served system for site selection. So you would reserve a site and be guaranteed a site, but you couldn't pick your site till they got that till you got there. But they're now moving over to site-specific reservations. All the ones I'm talking about today either already have the site-specific reservations or will within by the end of February. So um, I'm not sure if that's true of every park in the state, but it seems like that's the direction they're headed in. So well, that's, that's of- going to be good news for people because I know some people don't mind like the Wild West mentality, right? Where you like show right. up and race around and try to find the right site. But for some people, like I think the planner people, <laughs> like that right. causes yeah, exactly. a lot of anxiety. I think you fall into that category like me, right, Gretchen? <laughs> right. I think the people who can show up midweek, you know, on a Tuesday at early in the day and get whatever site they want don't mind. But for people like me who have to go Friday afternoon, when everybody's getting there, it's really nice to know that you have a good site. All right. Anything else that we need to know before we dive into the specific parks? Well, there's a um, $5 parking fee at all the parks, and it is $5 for the length of the stay if you're camping there, not $5 every day. So if you're going to be camping at state parks a lot, you might want to look into a membership, and they have a $50 membership that covers the parking fee, or there are Friends of Georgia State Parks memberships that go up from there and they have different levels. And with some of those, you get free camping, free nights of camping or discounts at the gift shop and all that kind of thing. So depending on how much you're going to be camping in Georgia, you might want to look into one of those. Oh, good tip to crunch the numbers. All right. Now we are going to dive into the five that you chose when I asked you to kind of pick a sampling. And I knew that that was a hard job to do. But first, we want to thank Jayco. Jayco has helped generation after generation create family memories since 1968, offering travel trailers fifth wheels, toy haulers, Class C and Class A motorhomes, it's easy to find the perfect Jayco for your family. With an industry-leading two-year limited warranty, beautiful design, and innovative safety features, you can be confident in your Jayco. Visit your local Jayco dealer or jayco.com for more information. Jayco, generations of family 
fun. All right, you ready to go, Gretchen? I'm ready. All right, Vogel State Park. Did I say it right? Yes. All right, we're so. off to a good start. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us about right. Vogel State Park. Okay, we're going to start up in the mountains. Vogel is in the Appalachian Mountains, about an hour and 45 minutes north of Atlanta. And it's the second oldest state park in Georgia, and it's a big favorite. It's very popular. Uh, you've got um, – it was built in the 30s by the Civilian Conservation Corps, the Franklin Roosevelt um, New Deal kind of project to build things all over the country. So I really like that history aspect to it, and it's in a beautiful setting. You've got mountain views. You've got waterfalls. There's a lot of hiking both in the park. You have anything from short nature trails that just kind of wind through the woods or go around the small lake there, or you can do some more intense hiking because it's part of the Chattahoochee National Forest. And so there are some trails that start in the park and then go out, and you can go for miles and miles. Now, if you stay there, are you going to be like there in the park the whole time or are there nice um, kind of surrounding activities to do also? Uh, You could do either. There's plenty to do in the park. They also have a lake and you can rent non-motorized watercraft there. But then it's also near the small town of Blairsville, which is a cute little mountain town with restaurants and shopping. And right down the road, the other way is Brasstown Bald, which is the highest point in Georgia. And you can, there's a parking, you drive most of the way up to the highest point in Georgia, but then there's a, a paved trail up the last half mile. And there's a awesome lookout tower up there and a small museum and everything. So, I mean, you could easily spend a long weekend here seeing things in the area and in the park itself. Now, what about the site selection here? This is, again, it's one that's switched over to the site specific. We have not been there since it's been site specific, but There are kind of three different areas for camping. We think the best sites are along Wolf Creek, and most of there's some pull-offs and then some back ends, but they're all great sites. There's also an area with more pull-throughs kind of in the front if you want to be closer to the playground and the visitor center and everything. Now, I see that you said that these are water and electric sites. Is that pretty much the case for most of Georgia state parks, or are they all different? Most of the state parks are going to be water and electric. I don't know if there are any that don't have any hookups okay that as as far as the ones that have rv sites and there are a few uh campgrounds that have full hookups and i'll talk about one of those Ooh, that sounds like a that's the (laughs) unicorn of the state park right (laughs) right and at uh, vogel they're going to be 34 to 36 dollars all right now let's move on to the next one cloudland canyon i have heard so much buzz about this state park why do people love it Well, I like the name a lot. It might be my favorite name of a Georgia State Park um, because it kind of just makes you want to go there, right? You're in a a canyon in the clouds. Yeah, uh, it's very enticing. Right. So this is we're going, we're staying in the north, but going to the northwest corner of the state. And so this isn't part of the Appalachian Mountains, but it is up in the mountains. It's at the edge of Lookout Mountain, which some people will have heard of because of uh, some of the attractions in Chattanooga. Rock City is on Lookout Mountain, stuff like that. So this is the one that you kind of do have a drive, a steep drive to get up here, although we didn't have any trouble. We have a 34-foot camper, and we made it no problem. And then you're in the mountains, but there is, as the name suggests, a canyon. And so you can – it's a 1,000-foot deep canyon, and you can – the the campgrounds are both on the top of the canyon, and then you can – Go, there's trails that go around the top of the canyon and you can look down into it. Or if you're feeling up for it, you can hike a long way down into the canyon. There's a 
system of trails and lots and lots of steps. And when you get down in, there's lots of trails down there and two really pretty waterfalls. So that's kind of the main attraction there. But they also have, if you're really feeling adventurous, wild cave tours several times during the year from, I think they have an outside um, concessioner, concessionaire that runs the cave tours. And these are the crawling on your hands and knees, getting muddy kind of cave tour. So they're not for me, but if that is your thing, that's available there too. (laughs) Nope. I like the cave tours that involve a lot of space (laughs) above my head. Lighting, yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. A little rail to hold on to as I go down. That's that's my my kind of... (laughs) Love it. Now, also mountain biking is big for this state park. There's mountain biking there. Again, that is not my thing, but I think they have 30 miles of mountain biking trail. So I think it is a big destination for mountain biking. And then you have access to Chattanooga. And it's about half an hour from Chattanooga back down the mountain and you can be into Chattanooga and there's tons of stuff to do in Chattanooga. So if you have, especially if you have kids, there's the aquarium, a children's museum, there's Rock City, there's Ruby Falls for the the more developed caves where you're not crawling around. So yeah, lots to do there. We love Chattanooga. Now I noticed that um, on this one, we see that there's also yurts and cottages. Um, And again, just a generalized statement, do a lot of the Georgia state parks have those alternate accommodations for folks that may not um, have an RV or want to bring their RV to Georgia when they're going there? Yes, definitely. I think all of them I'm going to talk about today do have at least a few cabins and that seems to be pretty standard. I mean, I'm sure not all of them do, but but it's right. not at all rare. Okay, good. So definitely people can look into that if they don't have the RV or they're not up for uh, tent camping. So let's move on to F.D. Roosevelt. Tell me about this state park. Okay, now we're going south of Atlanta. This is about an hour and a half south of Atlanta, kind of in the middle of the state. And as the name suggests here, uh, history is a big part of this. It's named because uh, FDR spent a lot of time in this area in starting in the 20s because the warm springs in the area gave him relief from his polio symptoms. So the park is named for him. And one thing you can see at the park is one of his Dowdell's Knob, which is one of his favorite picnic spots. And there's actually a statue of him looking out over the view, which is in the interesting geological thing about this park is that even though it's the middle of the state and in Georgia, usually We think of anything south of Atlanta as being very flat with a lot of farmland. There's rolling mountains in this particular area. So you've got a lot of great hiking, um, anything from short nature trails to longer hikes, and um, really pretty views, which is something, again, you don't get a lot of in this part of the state. And swimming. I wouldn't associate this area with swimming. (laughs) Yes, there's a really nice, we did not see this when we stayed there. I think it might have been closed for renovations because we were there a few years ago. But there's the Liberty Bell Pool, which is was built, again, by the Civilian Conservation Corps in the 30s. And it's made from local stone. And it's fed by not warm spring water, but cool spring water from the area. And I've seen pictures. I think it's shaped like a Liberty Bell. So it's that's a really cool way to cool off in the summer, which you'll definitely need in Georgia, and also a little bit of history. Now, tell me, Gretchen, just for people that are, you know, out of state, don't don't laugh at us because the Georgia weather kind of confuses me. I'm always like, what is going on down there? So the summer, we all know the summers get really hot. Now, does that just mean kind of camping in Georgia is off the table like some people say it is in Florida? Or are there some of these areas that really stay cool enough to be able to camp in the summer? I mean, people 
definitely camp year-round. Any of these parks you're going to find really crowded on summer weekends. Personally, as someone who lives in Georgia, if I'm going camping during the summer, I'm going to the mountains Yeah, where it's going to be, you know, you're probably going to get 10 degrees cooler because of the elevation. Um, but I mean, people camp okay. all over the state year-round. Okay, because you talk to people, planet. yeah, you talk to people in Florida and they pretty much are like, oh gosh, <laughs> like we shut it down in the summer, you know? Right. So I was wondering if Georgians kind of look at it that way also, but it sounds like you're, that if you head for a little bit of higher elevation, you can stay happy. Yeah, we're not uh, quite as hot as Florida and not nearly as humid, I think, because of the elevation. So that helps a lot. Okay. All right. You're educating all of us. Thank you. I appreciate it. You lifelong Georgia person. Yeah. Now, <laughs> before we go on and we listen to the next two state parks that Gretchen has selected for us, I want to thank our sponsor, Blackstone Products. From the 36-inch four-burner griddles to the 17-inch one-burner tabletop version, you'll find a Blackstone that's good for your deck at home or for traveling on the road in your RV. Blackstone lets you cook everything you can on a traditional grill and then a thousand things that you can't, like bacon, eggs, pancakes, hot dogs, steaks, veggies, stir fry, all that good stuff. You can take advantage of four cooking heat zones on the 36-inch griddle so you can cook an entire meal all at once on different temperatures. No one will ever walk away hungry when you're cooking on a Blackstone. Join more than 1 million happy Blackstone customers and blackstoneproducts.com always has free shipping. Plus you can use code RBFTA for 10% off your order. Gretchen, you don't have a Blackstone yet, do you? We do. We you got, do. The kids got The kids got Dave one for Christmas. So yeah. Oh, we have- exciting. <laughs> have you tried it yet? Yeah, it's been really rainy this winter, but we managed to find a couple of times. When okay, we could all right. Set it up on the deck. All right, we'll ch- we'll check in on your progress <laughs> later on in the spring. All right, so moving on, where are we going next in the state? Where's Florence Marina, Providence Cannon? All these good names. <laughs> okay, these are actually two different parks. I cheated a little bit here. Providence Canyon and Florence Marina are about 10 miles away from each other, and they're both about 150 miles southwest of Atlanta. So we're going all the way. We're right by the Alabama border now. And the reason I put them together is because what I really wanted the most was Providence Canyon on this list, but it doesn't have anything except backcountry camping. So luckily, Florence Marina is a very nice state park right down the street, and it does offer RV sites as well as some cottages. Okay, so what you're recommending is that we camp at Florence Marina and explore Providence Canyon. Exactly. All right, got it. Florence Marina, uh, as a as the name suggests, does have a marina and it's on a 45,000 acre lake. So if you're into boating or water sports, then you also are going to want to check that out. But that's, that's pretty much what's going on there. It's uh, a small park whose main purpose is to be on this lake and they rent boat slips and that kind of thing. Um, but then right down the road, you have Providence Canyon, which is really interesting because it's called Georgia's Little Grand Canyon. But unlike the real Grand Canyon, it didn't exist until the 1800s. When white settlers came in, they kind of clear-cut the forests and didn't pay much attention to erosion control. So some gullies started forming, and then they didn't do anything to control the erosion. So the gullies got bigger and bigger. And now what you have is a series of canyons that are up to 150 feet deep in places that didn't even exist a couple hundred years ago. And what it's done is exposed all the layers of geologic history, and it's really beautiful, but it's all because of terrible farming. (laughs) Wow, that's so interesting. We're so used to looking at these natural wonders or this landscape that we're like, it took thousands of years (laughs) to do this. And this is like, no, this is 200 years. (laughs) 
Right. Who knew bad agriculture could be so pretty? But, um, so <laughs> the they one have benefit. A, yeah. So there's a, a small visitor center up at the top, and I think they're redoing the museum right now. So um, I don't know what they're doing there, but hopefully it'll be something really nice. And then you can hike down into the canyon, and it's a short but steep hike, but it's very family friendly. It's anybody you know in reasonably good shape with reasonable mobility would be able to get down in there pretty easily with their kids. And then you can explore all these different gullies or canyons down at the bottom, and there's plenty of room to walk around. You want to wear old shoes because it is usually there's a layer of water down there at the bottom. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. It's really beautiful. There's some rare wildflowers that grow down in the canyon, and um, the kids have a lot of fun exploring it. And it's just a really cool place to see. And then there's a local uh, brewing company nearby. <laughs> There is. There's not much in this area at all, but there is, surprisingly, a really cool little brew pub um, or a little brewing company. I guess it's not a brew pub. They don't have food there uh, called Omaha Brewing Company. That's, I think, about 15, 20 minutes away from either of these parks. And we went there and it was it was a really nice place. They had food trucks outside and everything. So it's a good place to go after you get muddy hiking in the canyon. All right, Gretchen, you cheated, but it's okay. I think it was a really good cheat. I appreciate you using your local expertise to put two of these state parks together in in one. Good job. All right. (laughs) All right, let's go on to your last pick, which I have heard so much about. I can't believe I haven't gotten there myself. Skidaway Island. Skidaway Island. This is one of our very favorite campgrounds. And we're going over to the eastern corner of the state now to the coast And uh, this is uh, Skidaway Island is an island, but it is not um, beach camping. This is you've got salt marsh on one side of you and river on the other side. So it's just a beautiful campground. The campground itself is really pretty with lots of um, live oaks and Spanish moss dripping down. And then inside the park, it's a pretty small park, but it's just really charming. There's about six miles of trails. Since it's on the coast, it's all very flat, so it's all very kid-friendly. There's boardwalk trails that take you through the salt marsh. There's The longest trail is three miles, and that one I think you can take bikes on. So if your kids aren't up for three miles, you can let them bring their bikes. And that one goes through, and you see the salt marsh. There's an observation tower to look out. And there's also some Civil War-era earthworks and then some old moonshine stills that you can spot in the woods. So you get kind of some things, some history to look out for while you're doing your hike. And I I know that, um, like, let's just be clear, like bugs, right, are probably an issue at certain times of the year around the marsh. Are there better times to visit this place than others? We went here in November and there were still a ton of ticks specifically, which is my least favorite kind of bug. Um, So, you know, you pretty much have to be in the dead of winter to avoid any kind of bugs. So it's best just to come prepared for bugs. So uh, there are one nice thing about this park is there are some full hookup sites. I think there are 17 of them and they go really fast. So if you want one of the full hookup sites, book as far in advance as you can. And the full hookup sites, I think, are some of the best sites or probably the best sites in the campground. There are these huge pull-throughs, probably 70 feet long, most of them, with tons of space on either side. So we love those sites. We've had one twice. If you can't get one of those, the other sites, the water electric sites are also perfectly nice, but if you can get a full hookup, then you're in good shape. And the main thing about this park, the reason people are staying there and loving it is because it's only 20 minutes from downtown Savannah. And Savannah is a beautiful city. There's tons to do there. You could easily do a week's vacation seeing Savannah. 
And then the other direction, or actually, I guess it's past Savannah, the closest open ocean beach is Tybee Island, about 40 minutes away. So this is really, a, a, you know, this isn't necessarily just a weekend getaway. This is can be your full-on destination for a week's vacation. Definitely. At least a week. You could you could be in Savannah for two weeks and not run out of things to do. I know. It's just, you know, it's easy for us to shoot down to Charleston. It's like a good, you know, 11 hours for us. So it's like we can get there, right? But then that little extra bit down to the Skidaway Island feels like just it's out of reach for us, you know, sometimes when we don't have a lot of time on our hands. But right. yeah, I, I, I've just heard it's it's so wonderful. So, all right. Gretchen, you did it. Five great Georgia state parks that are recommended by BoxyColonialOnTheRoad.com. Um, and it sounds like she has even more to recommend and we'll definitely have to dive into those at a future date. Gretchen, can you tell everybody where they can uh, follow along with your adventures? Sure. I am Boxy Colonial on the Road pretty much everywhere. The blog is BoxyColonialOnTheRoad.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I think I'm on Pinterest as just Boxy Colonial. And if you love to see people that are great at finding really creative thrift items and doing fun, creative things with their home, Gretchen also has a blog that's more house-centered that's just BoxyColonial.com, right? Right. Yeah. Very fun. I always love your little statuettes that are in your different, <laughs> in your different, on your different tables and bookshelves and everything. And you were the one that encouraged me to just save the money and do the IKEA shelves and just kind of frame them out a little bit for all of our books. So thank you for oh, that. Did you do that? Oh, I, we yeah. did when we redid our basement because I was really about to spend the money and get the custom shelves because we just have so many books. And I just looked at your house and I was like, no, they look fun. There, <laughs> yeah, we still love them six years later. So yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm doing it, and I we I had them attached to the wall and attached together to kind of give them that extra sturdy, you know, like look right. to them, and it's working good so far. So good tip, scratch, and thanks. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody, please check out our show RV Family Travel Atlas over on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also listen to that one, and we will see you at the campground. Thank you.